Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, it's Gene Martz, and thanks for joining me again on the Paychecks Thrive podcast. I am here with Frank Kerbin. He is the director um, of the uh, Center for Human Resources at the Business Council of New York State. Frank, first of all, hopefully I got your name and title correct. So far, so good? Perfect. Good. Yeah, so far, so good. I am glad to hear that. So first of all, before we get into the topic at hand, which is pay transparency, tell us a little bit about yourself and also about what the, you know, the Business Council of New York State does. Sure. Uh, the Business Council is the New York State Chamber of Commerce. It's, uh, it has a different name because it was a merger of the Manufacturers Association and the Chamber of Commerce many, many years ago. Uh, but that's the role we play. We're part of the chamber system, let's say. Um, we, I am part of the government affairs team at the uh, Business Council. I'm a lobbyist. I always like to say I'm one of the good ones, <laughs> not the kind you read, you read about. And uh, we advocate on behalf of our members. We have about 3,500 members. We have some of the biggest companies in the world as members of our of the business council, but we have 70% of our members have less than 50 employees. Mm. And that's a trend, you know, consistent with, with all business. The vast majority are small businesses. Uh, I have a dual role. I'm a, I'm a lobbyist that uh, advocates in the HR, labor, workers' comp, and unemployment areas. Uh, but I also provide HR consulting services to those smaller members. Uh, I'm an HR professional by trade. I've been doing this more than 35 years. Uh, so I pr- sort of serve as, as an HR person for their for their small company. Fascinating. And so and the business council being similar to a chamber of commerce means that, you know, you guys are advocating for New York businesses, both at Correct. the state and I guess at the federal level as well when that happens. And then I'm assuming you also provide content and education and networking you know opportunities as well. Correct. We do. Uh, New York State, of course, has been very active in the world of human resources. We call it the golden age of human <laughs> resources. So I, I spend a lot of time providing educational materials, webinars uh, on compliance, on things that these small businesses, because that's the bulk of our, our members, have to do to just remain in compliance in New York State. It's a very complicated place to do business. Yeah. Biggest mistake my father ever made was telling me to be an accountant instead of like an HR specialist or a labor attorney. <laughs> I'll, I'll for, always hold him, you know, for, for not doing that. There's still time to still come time, to the right. dark You're never side. too old. I, yeah, I, I totally <laughs> agree. Um, okay. Let's talk about pay transparency. Uh, this conversation we're having is because um, there, there's, there's, stuff going on in New York State and New York City. Um, but if you are not located, if you're listening to this and you're not located in New York State or New York City, listen closely because to, it appears very strongly that this pay transparency is a trend that is going to be impacting us across the country, wherever you're located. So, you know, here we're getting sort of a sneak preview. So tell us a little bit, if you can summarize, what what is going on with pay transparency, Frank, in both the state and in New York City? So go. Yeah, you're right. There's, I think we're up to 17 states now that either have pay transparency laws or are considering, considering pay transparency laws. And the theory behind this is if we shine light on uh, employers' pay practices, that it can help eliminate those gaps that exist between genders, uh, between races. Uh, so the idea that we can you know, publicize this information, shine light on it, is, is the answer to, to closing those gaps. Uh, New York City, you know, wanting to be the leader in a lot of ways, uh, passed a pay transparency law that was effective November 1st. New York State legislature has passed a bill that would apply to all employers of four or more across the state. 
that has yet to be sent to the governor. Uh, we expect that to be after election day because we don't expect any controversial bills to be sent to the governor before election day. Um, and at that point, will uh, likely to be signed and be the law in New York State. Kent, let's um, let's go back to New York City. So what do we mean by mm-hmm. pay transparency if you're a business in the city? What New York City and what the state do, the bills almost mirror each okay. other. That was one of our goals. It was to, if we're going to have these laws, let's, let's have them be consistent across the state. Uh, an employer, when posting an, ad, a, an opening for a job, if you're advertising in the paper, I don't know if people do that anymore, <laughs> but LinkedIn, uh, whatever source you're using, Indeed, to recruit for a position, you have to post a good faith minimum and maximum pay range hmm. for that job. Uh, good faith is the key word. You can't be a wise guy and say zero to a million dollars an hour. Uh, you have to post a good faith. Uh, you also have to let your current employees know this. So if you put it out on Indeed or one of these these places, you also have to post it internally and let uh, current employees know this pay range as well. Hmm. You know, it's funny. I, I, I would have thought like in this day of uh, Glassdoor and Payscale and other sites like that, that this type of thing wouldn't even be necessary. You know, if I'm applying for a certain job in a certain region, I mean, that information is available out there. Um, why, why the need to have now regulations around this? You know, that, that's sort of our point as well. Uh, you know, we obviously we advocated against these bills, not because we're against pay equity, but because we see it as uh, making New York State sort of an outlier. You know, if you're going to require this of businesses in New York State, you put New York State at a, a competitive disadvantage. We want businesses to grow and, and thrive in New York State. And you know, we have large employers who the next vice president they hire they're not going to locate them in New York City, mm. right? They could probably locate them in Charlotte or or uh, Washington, D.C., outside of Washington, D.C., uh, wherever their other headquarters is, because they don't want to reveal this information necessarily for certain key individuals. You could see the, the threat to poaching from other companies, things like that. Uh, so it puts New York at a, at a competitive disadvantage, and, and that's our, our issue with it. And we don't think it really solves the, the, the problem. The only, there's not a lot of study on this because the, the first state law, I think, was 2018. Uh, but the federal government's been doing it for a while. And they they proudly announced that they reduced the gender gap to about 80, 80% or 20% gap, which is what it is the rest of the country. Right, right. <laughs> so we haven't, we haven't seen it really get over that final hurdle that, that we need to, to, for pay equity amongst the genders. There's little evidence it works. There's more evidence that it uh, is, is crying out for sort of a national solution that doesn't put these individual states at a competitive disadvantage. Um, and, you know, small employers, you're my pizza guy around the corner. You know, he's got 10 employees. Uh, this law would apply to him if he's going to put a sign on the door saying, you know, delivery guy wanted and he doesn't post a good face, good faith uh, pay range. Uh, he's subject to fines yeah. and penalties. Yeah. And uh, you got to make a lot of pizza to, to pay a $1,000 fine to the Department of Labor uh, for something you didn't know about or, or weren't aware of or didn't have the ability to comply with. You know, it's also interesting to me. I mean, you, you had mentioned before, I mean, there, there's good reason why they have rules like this. I mean, there's you know many studies have shown that, you know, particularly from a gender basis, women have earned historically less than men. So if you're going to ask a female job candidate, what did you earn at your last job? you could potentially be putting her behind the eight ball as opposed to a, you know, for this job. 
And by the way, that question is already prohibited in New York State. Right. So it's you already, can't you can't salaries. even ask what they earn. And it's funny, that was exactly what I was going to ask you. Like, I, I thought you're okay. not even allowed to ask that. And on top of that, like, you know, I have 10 employees. I don't think I've ever asked a prospective employee, like, what they earned at their last job. Like, if I'm offering a position, this is the position. Like, you know, I, you know. Right. So it just seems like it's just, it is a little bit of unnecessary regulation. But then I guess you can make the argument that, if we're already doing this anyway, what do we care? You know, like this is this will have little impact on employers because they're already doing this practice. Well, you know, I agree. You know, we, we again want pay trans. We want pay transparency. We just don't think this is the way to go about it. And it, it puts New Yorkers. It, it, yeah. you know, one of the first states to do this was Colorado. Uh, there are if you want to work remotely, you can't be a resident of Colorado because they explicitly will exclude applicants from Colorado. New Yorkers will be excluded from opportunities in remote work in companies other places because they're not going to advertise in New York and put that information that they don't want, don't have yeah. to. Um, so, you know, it, the, it, I, we don't think it solves the problem. We think it creates a, another, yet another administrative burden in, on New York employers um, and, you know, puts, puts actual New York job seekers at a disadvantage as well. Uh, you had mentioned earlier about, you know, you know, making this uniform across the country. I mean, you, know, you have different states with different rules. Um, what do you know? And again, you're you're just the, the New York you know, Business Council, New York State mm-hmm. Business Council. But do you have knowledge of what's going on in Washington on this? Do you does is Secretary Walsh at the Department of Labor uh, looking at this from a national level? Yeah, yeah, the Biden administration is very active in sort of uh, undoing or, or moving forward with some important labor laws regarding independent contractors and joint employers and things yeah. like that. Uh, pay transparency and pay equity are obviously important to them. So we anticipate before their time is up there, whenever that is, that they'll, they'll make it a priority uh, to, to do something. And, and again, one of the issues we have with New York state laws is it doesn't preempt any other local laws. Mm. So even if they sign the law in New York State, uh, we're, we're actively encouraging some preemption. The city of Ithaca has its own law that took effect on September 1st. Westchester County has its own law that'll take effect on November 6th. So we don't want a patchwork of, you know, of 60 different laws across New York State and the state law yeah. you know, and the city law. If I'm an employer that has multiple locations, you can imagine that the difficulties in doing yeah. that. So if this is a solution, that, that can address this problem. It, it really does cry out for something to be done at the federal level. Um, and, and in a way that doesn't disadvantage small employers, you know, we, we encourage a bigger threshold that the New York law and the New York city law are for employers of four or more. We'd love it to be 50 or more. Let's say by the time you get to 50 employees, you have a, a professional human resource person there who can guide you through this, this requirement. Um, and then, you know, we want to avoid the patchwork of laws around it around the country. I'm curious um, what you see. I mean, you say you do advise businesses, Frank, and also you see mm-hmm. a lot of businesses and, you know, within the state. So you're at a time now of like, you know, severe, you know, labor challenges for a lot of mm-hmm. New York state right, employers all around the country. Um, you know, one of the issues I see with the pay transparency rules or the law itself would be that um, when people are changing jobs, they're changing jobs for a lot more money, you know? And mm-hmm. um, and I know particularly a few clients have had the situation where, you know, to get that good person, they, they got to pay this person a, a pretty good bump to bring them in because there's that demand. Um, and sure. yet they have existing employees that are already, you know, at a similar level that are going to be making less. 
So now with these pay transparency rules, those same employees are going to see, right? They're like, wait a second, they're bringing in this person at my level right. and paying them, you know, a lot more than what I am. Are you seeing that? Um, are you, you know, what are you telling your your clients that you might be working with or other businesses? How do you handle these situations? Absolutely, you know, absolutely. And, and wage compression is is a topic all my HR people I know who are watching this are dealing with yeah. now. You know, we're dealing with a labor shortage that has dramatically increased wages has put upward pressure on wages for everyone else in your organization. Um, and that's an issue. And so now we have to do this publicly in the open. Um, we, did we do it fast enough? Did, did we do, do it first before we posted this? I mean, you can imagine the, uh, the internal strife some of these pay transparency laws could, could create. We also, you know, we have some competitive disadvantages already. You know, right down the street from me, I have a Walmart. And right in the next plaza over is a, a family-owned Hallmark store. Um, Walmart's going to be fine posting their wages and paying well above the minimum wage. Uh, this family owned Hallmark store is not. Hmm. Um, and we're, this puts that continued trend of, uh, as you make business more and more complicated, it makes it harder and harder for those small businesses to exist. We have 455,000 businesses in New York state, 451,000 have less than 20 employees and 80% of them have less than 10 employees. So the vast majorities of the, of the business owners here are dealing with this wage compression issue and then this competition from these big box stores that uh, are, are, you know, can handle administrative burdens and wage pressures better than they can. Yeah. Um, wages has nowadays, or compensation in general, has this, it, it's a bigger, bigger umbrella of what it falls into. It's not just mm. a paycheck, but it's also, you know, it's paid time off or it's, uh, you know, other yeah. perks and benefits. It's uh, contributions to your 401k. It's, you know, you know uh, health insurance. It's all the big package. In this bill, this New York State bill, is it is it just salaries? Like, are you? That's all you have to disclose. You're ignoring every because that that also seems like you're either in for a penny and for but either either you sure. talk about the whole compensation package or or not. It's yeah. not apples to apples. Compet compensation's a science, hmm. right? And we we have uh, compensation professionals that uh, this is their sole uh, goal yeah. in life is to design and develop compensation packages. Uh, the original New York State bill required. Uh, disclosure of stock options, uh, deferred compensation plans, hmm. any other types of bonus plans in the advertisement as well. Well, you can imagine that you know the difficulty yeah. in doing that. We don't, you know, retirement plans are run by summary plan documents. You know, they, they, it's not something you could put in an advertisement. Someone says, "Hey, you promised me a pension," and then six months in, you're like, "Well, didn't you read the document? It's uh, you have to be here a certain period of time to be vested." You know, you don't do that on Indeed or, or, or LinkedIn or any of those sites. So we were able to get that removed from the original bill. But you're right, uh, the salary in most cases, now if you're hiring you know, pizza guys, I always go back to my favorite pizza yeah. guy. He's got delivery drivers. He has a range, right? He's going to pay him New York State minimum wage in most cases, plus tips. Yeah. Um, but any organization of any size is going to have uh, supplemental benefits that would really tell a bigger story than just the minimum and maximum of a pay range. And while we don't didn't want that in the bill because it would just be impossible, and it would, it would just lead to all sorts of noncompliance, um, you're right. It contributes to not telling the whole picture, not solving the problem it's designed to solve, and just creating another administrative burden on employers in New York State. What do you think of the chances are of uh, employers being audited? I mean, does the New York, does New York State even have the resources to check 
you know, job ads and classifies and, and then go yeah. after companies that aren't. And then let alone, not, if they're, say even that they are including the salary range, then they got to go, oh, is this a reasonable salary range that they're right. showing? I mean, right. is that even, you know... <laughs> One of, one of the terrifying <laughs> things about the original New York, New York City bill before it was amended, it, w- it was passed and signed and then was amended. In, in the first pat- bill that was passed, um, it allowed non-employees to sue the employers if it wasn't included in the advertisement. So anyone could be reading advertisements. Now, it's still to me not clear in the New York State bill that that is prohibited. I think you could have professional litigators <laughs> just going through the want ads, uh, finding these employers who fell down and didn't comply and bringing action against them, alleging they would have been an applicant or were, or were discouraged from applying because there was no pay range. Um, yeah, it's going to be, and then good faith, right? Good yeah. faith is the term they use, good faith, minimum and maximum. It's going to be litigated. Yeah. No one knows what that yeah. means. It's going to be litigated and some employer is going to be the defendant. Um, so that's that's where we're headed. All right, a couple of questions. I'll let you go. You've been great. Um, the, sure. you, you had mentioned before that this had, Passed in other states, I think California. You know, right. it, do we have any history like with with whatever that you're arguing against this? Um, is it easy to say like, hey Frank, why are you wasting your time on this? This passed in California a couple of years ago. It seems like it's fine. Nobody's really, you know, business is carrying on. You know, do you have any data or any or you know whether it's anecdotal or or not that that actually says to you like this has been a problem in the states where this is passed? Sure, sure. We know we know California and New York lead the nation in a population loss. Yeah. Right now, our governor likes to say it's sometimes it's the weather <laughs> why people move to Florida, uh, but Florida has been warmer than New York for a long yeah. time. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's only recently that we've experienced this type of population loss and business loss. New York hasn't recovered its jobs it had before the 2008 recession. Yeah. Uh, so you know we have evidence that the business environment in New York and Colorado or California. I'm yeah. sorry, in California. Uh, it's not good. You know, you read all the time about companies moving from from California to Austin and New York to Florida. Um, that is our evidence. Now, is it directly related to this? You know, I'm, I'm sure we could make a correlation. But um, yeah, I think that's the trend here is when we see these states, some of these states want to be leaders. Um, you know, it, it makes them outliers. You know, we always say in New York, we want to be a leader, but we don't want to be an outlier. Right. And sometimes we become an outlier, and it and if it's not a national solution, these companies can pick up and go, um, and they do. And workers can pick up. We learned that during the pandemic. You can work from anywhere, yep. right? So uh, we we don't, we can't have these uh, laws that put New York or California or whoever at such a competitive disadvantage that a company can easily move somewhere. Yeah, I mean the narrative is that there's you know there, there's many different things, and New York City alone. I'm actually working on a piece I'm writing about just the regulation for small businesses in New York City. There, there's just so many and, and uh, it, it does tend to drive people away. And uh, so yeah. it, it's just this whole other picture of just it's a very regulatory environment. It makes it tougher. It is. Having said that, it's New York. So, you know, there's right. there's there's that. And New York <laughs> is an amazing state and New York City is awesome. So there's there's pros and there's cons. So before I let you go, um, we are we're, we're talking now. It's it's the end of October. Um, I'm not quite sure when this will be published, but I just want to get your thoughts. You said sometime after the elections is when you would expect. For, so do you expect this bill to be signed by the governor? This pay transparency bill. I would be surprised if you would say no. Yeah, uh, New York has the ability to do what we call chapter amendments, which means the governor once it's sent to the governor, uh, she or he can sign that 
uh, bill with a chapter amendment, meaning that the leaders of the legislature agreed to make a change when they return in January. Okay. The bill is going to be signed. Um, I think we're making progress in getting some chapter amendment language in it that will help uh, hopefully the small employers. Our goal is to have a, apply to 50 or more and to preempt all these other local laws. I think that's our only hope of improving this bill at this point. Uh, but it, I, think it, I think it almost definitely will be signed. Frank Kerbin is the director of the Center for Human Resources at the Business Council of New York State. Frank, um, thank you very much. And if there are um, any place where people can follow your activities or the, the the business council's activities that you'd like to make a mention of? Sure, sure. BCNYS.org. And we're on uh, Twitter as well. You can follow us there. Uh, but yeah, be, be glad. To, and if anybody has any questions, wants to talk about the New York State law, the New York City law, I'd be glad to answer any questions on how we got to where we got. Awesome. Thanks very much. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychecks.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychecks can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2022. All rights reserved.